Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 238, and number two in the puppy series. I'm going to try and get these off at the beginning of every week here until we kind of get through this. So this is going to be number two. And in the prior puppy series, we just talked about uh, bringing a puppy home and ways to look at it and how to, you know, how to think about the interactions with it. And I'm going to take that a little bit further on the basis that you've had the puppy home. And it doesn't really matter. Again, I'm going to say it doesn't really matter what kind of dog this is. But what, how important these early, early days are. And, and I, think they're, I, I think they're very, very important. Just like they are with uh, human children, um, there's a lot of things that they found that between, you know, zero and six months on a child, the nature of the interactions, the things that you do with them, the way that they, you engage with them or don't, uh, are very impactful on the next six months and then the next years, you know, and I've even heard them say that by the time uh, a human child is four or five, there's a lot of things that are pretty solidly entrenched in the way they think and, and their perspectives. And it's absolutely true uh, with puppies. Absolutely true. So much stuff happens in the early times that, are, that come in later and impact things you're doing uh, good things, you know, things that you really like about how things have gone, and then things that you wish were a little different, and then you don't know how to change them, and so what do you do with that? And that's kind of what I want to talk about on the young dogs. Now, now that I'm a townie for right now, you know, and I live in the city with everybody walking their dogs on leashes, and every kind of dog in the world, and every kind of dog owner, there's something I see a lot of. And frankly, I imagine that a lot of the people to whom I am addressing this are people that live in dense population areas and are, you know, have to have to engage this way and have to do this kind of stuff with their dog. So I, I hope I'm reaching a lot of people. But where I sit at my table, I can look out on a on a nice shaded street where people walk by with their dogs at that all hours of the day and night, particularly now that we have some days of much better weather. And one of the things that I see a lot, a lot, is somebody walking their dog, usually on a harness or a gentle leader or something. You know, if people have me, that, that's fine. But they're walking their dog, and they are either looking on their phone or talking on their phone. Many, many times when I'm out and I run around here, when I run, I'm coming up behind somebody and they're just smack in the middle of everything and they got headphones in, right? So they're engaged in whatever music or podcast or book they're listening to and not in anything external. And so I got to step off the trail and get around them and, and they might have dogs with them, but they, they're, they've got their dogs, so they're doing the right thing, right? They're out walking their dog, completely engaged in something entirely different. They've got their dog connected by a leash so it can't run away or get out in the street or anything else, and it's getting its walk, right? And they are engaged in something else entirely. Or another one is when they're out walking their dog and they're with a, another person, and they're walking along, chatting away, having a great time, and not at all connected, but they're walking the dog, right? So they're, they're doing good things. 
Now, it's better to be walking the dog than not walking the dog. That's absolutely certain. But what I see right there is a complete opportunity, missed opportunity, to engage with the dog. You can either use that as a little bit of a training session or a mutual exercise thing, but a thing where the dog feels your awareness and attention in its activity. They are completely aware of that. We usually not so much, but they are completely aware. If you are engaged with them, watching what they're doing, you know, basically teaching them what you want in this whole deal, even when they're all very experienced, you're still engaged with them and you see what they're doing and you're, you know, they need to walk a little faster or they need to slow down or you need them to whatever. You want to, a lot of people, I and it's good, teach when you see other dogs, your dog pulls over next to you or sits down or in other ways does not engage with the other dogs because probably those people don't want that. But there's uh, many opportunities, one, to spend some time with this dog. This is like with a kid. If you go out and go do something with your kid, but you're on the phone the entire time with people at work, your kid is getting a very, very strong message. And when you go out with your dog and you're technically taking it on a walk, but you're fully engaged in something else, the dog gets the message. It's like, yeah, you, I do my thing, you do your thing, I pull hard if I want something, and you jerk back if I don't get to, or, or give me a treat or something, and then we proceed. So any activity, my opinion now, <laughs> where you are going to go do something with your dog, then go do something with your dog with your attention on the shared activity and both of your behavior. Otherwise, why do you have a dog? If it's just another chore for you, another thing that takes some of your busy time, so you've got to dedicate, I got 10 minutes for this and I got 10 minutes for that. I, you know, should you really have a dog? What, what is the dog getting out of this? Just want to throw that out there. So if you, when you bring a puppy home and you're going to get a puppy, decide that this little creature is worth an investment of your time, energy, and attention. Because then that dog will reflect that where if you get out and just do the stuff you're supposed to do with it, but you're also engaged in total other things, your dog will reflect that. And many, many, many of the problems that people have with their dogs start right there. Because they're teaching the dog, we're not really the team here. Um, this is kind of what happens and you just engage when I ask you to and then get out of the way. You're kind of an inanimate object that sometimes I'm going to have time for you and sometimes I'm not. Now, I'm not saying you have to spend all your time with your dog and constantly. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, just like with a kid or a person that's very important to you, they know if you're connected with them and engaged with them and giving them your very precious attention. If you're, and they know if you're not. And they receive that message. And dogs are highly, highly tuned to that. Now, I'm going to say, here I go again, everybody. I had to treat people this week, and I got to be around again. And, you know, I, I try to be so diplomatic. I do. But if you have to uh, bribe your dog with food to get them to pay attention to you, either probably you shouldn't have dogs, or you really need to develop some interpersonal skills <laughs> so that... You don't need to, just like, you know, do you have to bribe your significant other 
to pay attention to you. If you do, you know, maybe things aren't so good. If your kids want nothing to do with you, I don't know. Maybe a few things should change. Probably if they do that, it's because you haven't shown them that you're there that worth engaging with either. So I just, that is just, I don't know. The importance of that I can't estimate enough. So when you're going to do something with your dog, I don't care if it's eight weeks old or eight years old, they know exactly how much attention they're receiving, how much you are engaged in a mutual activity, and therefore how important, how relevant, and how much effort they should put into the relationship. So if you don't put anything but token time, that's all you're going to get from them. And that's because that's the deal that you made. So it's real important. Let me give a, another example of that. Just like, and I'm going to use the human kids again, right? A lot of people um, use movies and video games and stuff on the phone and all that to get their kids' attention so that the kids are busy so they can do things that they have to do. So whenever, you know, and I realized I had two kids and I was working the whole time. That's when I left my corporate job and became a full-time dog trainer because I wasn't going to pay somebody else to raise my kids. And a lot of people thought I was crazy <laughs> to leave the world I was in and go over and do that because I went from being somebody to just being Cole and Cassidy's mom, which was eminently worth it to me. <laughs> and they knew it. And so they, they reflect the investment in their lives in what they're doing now. And I, I live that. I live that in my personal life, and I live it with every single dog I've ever had or trained for other people, is when I am with you, when we're going to do stuff, it's 100% me and it's 100% you. And I require that when we're working together, doing basic obedience or something, my favorite thing, Oh, they do. They're real good when no one's around. But when someone's around, then they don't do obedience very well, which, again, means they don't do obedience very well. So, in other words, you have never taught that dog how to fully engage with you. That's one of the jobs with a young puppy I think we have. And it's not done through jerking them around on a leash. It's not done by bribing them. It's done by engaging with them, paying attention to them, responding to what they're telling you if they're ignoring you while you go out then you need to teach them hey hello i'm here and then you know not by not by bribing them again the food thing everybody you know i know they teach a lot of things with food and with a dog that's afraid or something like that i can see that being a useful tool for a short period of time but what it does is make what you're trying to teach easier which is why everybody does it I, I get that. A dog's going to sit, especially if they really have a good appetite, which most dogs do. And they, you teach them, when I say sit, if you put your bottom down, you get this thing, you bet they're going to be snapping and doing that stuff. Now, when a distraction comes along that's more important than the treat, they will not do it. And you can't get mad at them because you taught them this is a negotiation. Here's what I have to offer, here's what you do. And when they no longer want what you offer then they don't have to do it. That is not dog training. That is, I don't, I don't know what that is. But with a little puppy, you don't need any of that. If you spend the time, if you go do the walk with them, if you're together, just the two of you, so that they learn 
the coolest time of my life is when I'm with that person, when they show up, then you have, I, I guess people call it bonding, but it's a lot more than bonding. It's this connection that you get that enables the rest of your life for you to do what you want or teach this dog the things that you want. So that's very, very important. So when and how, what this looks like when you're doing this, you have a little puppy, right? So you're, we're not doing leash stuff. We're not doing any of that. Again, I'm going to just, I, the walk, you take the dog off leash somewhere safe where there aren't other dangerous animals or somebody that's going to come over and do something to it. And the two of you walk through a natural world together. The dog loves that more than you ever know. Even in the beginning, they might be a little dicey. But then they become, this becomes such a wonderful thing. And there, you're not on the phone. You're not talking to somebody. You don't have somebody with you. Watch the dog. Pay attention to it. See, is it a timid dog? Is it fearful? Is it bold? Is it smart? Is it thoughtful? Is it just kind of clunky and just does it pay attention to the world? What is what does it value? Does it care about you or is it more interested in eating stuff? Is it, you learn incredible things and build strength and, and have an adventure with this dog for 10 or 15 minutes more, hopefully, every day if you can. And you build this huge connection that's just between you two. And the level, get this one, everybody, the level of energy and investment you put into this is what you get back. So if you put very little, you get very little back. And if you put in a lot, you tend to get a whole lot back. And it's not a thing you do for a few weeks. It is a way of life. So if you can, put the phones, put the stuff away, put the, take the time to invest in this, and you will definitely see the difference. Now the next thing that I think is real important is that as soon as the dog is mentally capable of grasping things, start doing the thing that this dog was bred to do, the thing that its DNA wants to do. Unless you have a fighting dog, then there's other stuff you have to do first. I, I don't, I have no, no expertise in that and I, I you know, if you got a dog for protection, I suspect this is very similar, but then you kind of go down a little di different avenue. But for dogs that are the retrievers, for dogs that retrieve, for dogs that are herding dogs, for dogs that are uh, active, uh, you know, are bred to do stuff, then you want to begin to give them a, an appro age appropriate opportunity to do a little bit of that with some frequency. Now for those of us with dogs that like to retrieve, that's real easy to do. So first you want to get that spark going. You know, if you had a good breeder, then they, you, they already got the little puppies doing it. Uh, and if not, then you try to engage in, in the, the retrieving stuff when you first get the dog home. And you, what you want is just like a, you want a thing, not any old thing, not all the toys. People, you know, spend a gazillion dollar on dog toys because uh, that makes you feel really good and, and keeps them from hopefully chewing up your good boots. But you need to have a retrieve thing for the retrievers. And it's, okay, I'm going to get out in the beginning a rolled sock. It's soft. It's nothing you can really chew on. It smells like you. Uh, so it's real good. And you can in the beginning what is it Walters always said throw it down the hallway so they got to come back 
you know, but do that if you need to. You, you can throw it in the house in the beginning or in the backyard or somewhere safe, somewhere where there aren't more interesting things at this point than that. They can't see very far, but get them to do a few retrieves, a few. I'm talking like two or three or four, and that's it. More is not better. More is not better in any dog training of any kind ever. More is not better. So just kind of get the little spark going and you stop while they're still loving it. Now, if they'll love it and you can do 25, still do three or four because then you are building over the days and weeks and months of doing this a passion and an intensity that to them is on a cellular level. If you do it till it begins to get kind of routine, then you don't have that level of passion. So if you haven't done this and seen it before, I'm just going to ask you to trust me on that. Just do three or four if they really, really like it. And if they're kind of mildly interested, do it once or twice maybe with a lot of praise and fun. There's no pressure on this. We're not making them be steady. We're not, we just want the spark to go. The little flame to start. That's all we want. Because it will grow and grow unless you come in and smoosh it with some other misunderstood kind of training. Or, you know, have them come back for a treat. I, I've never done that in my life. Even my dachshund retrieves doesn't need a treat. Dig down and find a way to get your dog to come back to you. Dig down and find a way because that level of effort that you put into that is the level of return you'll get from the dog. That is an absolute like rule of nature. So that's my deal on the treats and I know everybody uses treats. Again, it's easy. <laughs> it works really good. And if you're not a real good dog trainer, it gets them to do stuff as long as you're close and you have the treat. But the level of effort that's put into teaching dog things with that is very small. Because now we're just, we're just banking on their appetite instead of what they're meant to do. And so I know that this kind of flies in the face of what a lot of people teach and are very successful with. And I mean no insult. But I will say in all the dogs I've trained, and I don't know very many people that have done more than I have, I have found that the more I dig down in myself going okay you're supposed to be able to do this figure it out find a way when I dig down like that I eventually win big but if I didn't I wouldn't win at all because I would just kind of have a duct tape thing going and the dog kind of does stuff as long as I got treat and everything or but it's all bets are off when real world stuff happens and real world stuff, folks, is stuff like a dog running across a busy street because they won't come when you call them. And in our world, it's a dog that's, you know, scaring all the birds up in the field and making everybody mad at you and not coming back when you call them or you can't call them off a chase or a retrieve so they try to go through a barbed wire fence and it's not very good. Um, or they jump into water you haven't been able to check out and impale, get impaled. All of these things have happened. I have heard about it all. has not happened to me because I'm going to make sure I don't lose an animal because I don't have it trained well enough. And I begin that when, they, when I, the little bitty guys, um, when they come, come 
I started messing with them and digging down and setting up a relationship where they go, yeah, okay, and they don't even question it. They don't know about resisting me. They don't know about ignoring me. They don't know about tuning me out because I don't do any of that. So I do tons of problem prevention by not letting them acquire habits that later I'm going to want to get rid of. So what does that look like? So for our little retrievers, you know, try to do it when you first get them where they go and they come back and you, you do so few that they don't start to do things to make it more interesting. If you have to, get a very long, thin cord so and let them go. Send them out on a retrieve with a single com name or command and then don't be talking all the time. And then bring them on back with or without whatever you threw. The, the mechanism we want them to understand is you go out, they come back. So if you pull them on the, on the, on the, with the little cord and they drop the sock, okay, that's all right. Throw it again. You just want them to always go out and come back, and then that's what they learn. You go out and you come back. So if you have a dog that is a problem, but you can't make it unpleasant, just pull them back, praising heck out of them. And right there, I want to talk about the talking thing. Oh my goodness, uh, it's such a natural thing to feel like you must constantly interact, speak, talk, uh, encourage, praise, all this stuff. A lot of talk. That is a lot of noise. I suspect you've never learned anything that was new and very important by somebody nonstop blabbering to you the entire time. All right, so when they're doing a retrieve, have something that you send them on. Preferably not a phrase, hey, go get it. But, you know, in our in the competitive world, in the hunting world, you send them on their name. That way your dog goes and not Fred's next to you. So you send them on something so they begin to associate, ah, when I hear my name, I take off on this thing. And then they come back. But let them, this is so important. If you're truly engaged with your animal, not going through the motions and doing the right thing, but when you're engaged with your animal and you send them on a retrieve, let them do it. If you talk and make noise, one of two things happens. Either you engage their attention back towards you and not, they don't understand encouragement. That's a human thing, right? They're just going after it and then you're saying stuff. So are they supposed to turn around? What's, what are they supposed to do? You're, you're engaging their attention when their attention should should be forward, not back at you. So don't encourage them. If they need, if they're not doing very well, shorten it up, you know, or don't do it for a few days and then try it again. But your talk, talk, talk makes you become background noise. And you teach them to basically ignore you because you're just constantly generating sound. So when they're doing the work you want, don't talk. And I had to tell a bunch of retriever people this weekend, when your dog's coming back to you, don't call them. If they're doing what you want, why are you telling them to do what you want? First, you teach them. Yeah, you have to teach them. Always come back to me. And this is what I say to have you come back to me. And then when they're doing it, people think they're really, I don't know, driving it in or something by saying it and saying it. Again, they're coming into you and you're making a bunch of noise. So they're not going, oh, they're constantly using the word here or come. So therefore, I'm doing, there's no thought process like that. They're coming back to you. Yay. Good dog. 
So make what you say, even to the little puppy, significant. And chatter, 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 and all that stuff, only if it's necessary. And if it's not, let their minds begin to develop and form and understand the behavior that you're developing in them. Let that happen. And it needs to happen without noise. Pay attention to them, but let their minds learn to focus. It is at this stage also the incredible skill of being able to stay focus on a task is started right here. Not later on when they're six months old or a year. Ah, oh, they're just a puppy. Let them be a puppy. I, no, yes, they're just a puppy. And they're capable of learning, beginning to learn, beginning to learn to focus, to stay on a task. That is priceless. Because usually you know, when you see the dogs are six months old, nine months, holy cow, they can't even sit still. They can't stay on, they're just everything, just ADHD out the kazoo. Most often taught that. Because nobody ever taught them to sit down and run something through their mind and engage in it. It's particularly because they want to encourage, talk, direct, give commands 14 times, and just teach them you're a bag of noise, and that they're not really clear about what all this stuff is. So be consistent on your interactions. Make sure when you say something, even on a den-week-old puppy, that it's always it's a calm tone of voice. You don't want to ever have to yell, right? You can t train dogs where you never have to yell guarantee you just teach him that what you say in a voice like i have right now is means something it's all you got to do so more is not better talk 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 encourage encourage high voice squeak praise out praising out the kazoo praise is important if it's real if it's token just to make the dog feel good they know that their bs meters are expert at an early age so that means you have to stop and think about what you're communicating and how you're doing it. It's not just a big free-for-all or do whatever makes you happy or feel good. Then the dog is going to learn that you guys are kind of separate. But if you, at your interactions with them and your communication, your verbal communication with them, which should be very limited and appropriate, just because we like to talk a lot, they do not. That is not their world. They are body language or sound oriented, but not paragraphs and sentences and all kinds of gibberish that makes no sense to them. You teach them to ignore you. And I'm going to say one more thing and I'll let this one go then. One of the big, I just keep reading about it and seeing it, hearing about it, the separation anxiety thing. And, you know, there's people making a lot of money off of drugs for that. I, good Lord, I was seeing, I don't know where I was seeing it. All these things you can give your dog to help their separation anxiety and with the exception of some dogs that are just kind of cuckoo like some people are you know then yes you may have to reach into the chemical assistance on some of that but I'm going to say in my experience I've never had or trained a dog that had separation anxiety in my life so either I am just darn lucky or the way that you raise these little guys just sets the stage for whether you have that or not. So one of the things, and this is my opinion now, okay, the, the way that you don't let that develop in a dog, let's say you work, you know, and I worked all my life. Yeah, I was either in school or working. And so I wasn't home all day. It doesn't require being home all day. 
It, but what it does require is a dog with the right kind of mentality. So a couple things. One, there are aspects to their life where there's great richness, and that's their interaction with you. Not when you're on the phone, walking the dog and talking to some people, but when you and that dog engage in something physical that is just the two of you where the team thinks. So they have a part of their day that is very rich with the connection with you and also purpose. So if you have a dog that does stuff like our retrievers, we do that and we do three or four retrieves at whatever level is appropriate for this dog. Not just wild and crazy, fun, mindless, mindless stuff, but where they have to focus and look at it and go get it and come back and there's like little structure that they understand for that. So when you do that and you have this physical stuff and then in the beginning when they're little puppies, I always say you go on the walk, they get tired, it's, it's wonderful, they did it with you, you give them some breakfast, you put them up in however you put them up, you put them up. And then you go off and you do your own thing. And they learn from the beginning. Yeah, they make a bunch of noise at the very start. But just put them somewhere where they don't make the neighbors mad or whatever. And teach them, this is how this goes. And you create this rhythm in their life that has the great richness and goodness and interaction with you. And then the quiet time. And then you get them out and air them. So, you know, your house breaking the little guys. You get them out and air them. And then, you know, maybe it's just hanging out with the kids or something. Maybe they're just in the backyard do not have the highlight of their day be your other dogs so that that's what they wait for. Because then, if you ever try to take them away from your other dogs, now you have separation anxiety about the other dogs. So the dog needs singular stuff. That takes time and effort on your part. It's much easier to just throw them out with the other dogs. They're good all day. And their dogs are the big deal and not you. And then you take them away and they're all upset because... They have, they've grown to think they're part of a pack. And when then they, you take them out, they are not okay. Because that's the nature of canine. So teach them, you're the pack. You're it. And, but they, also they're alone. I've done that with my little dachshund. All, every dog I've ever had has had time alone. Priceless. Can I do it as a puppy? They're cool. I can leave them all day. Or for five hours. Or for an hour. It doesn't matter. They go, ah, quiet time. And they've, they have this way of dealing with all of that and being very okay with it. So teach a dog to focus, give them some purpose, engage fully with them. So really we're talking a lot more in this one about you than the dog. Give a rhythm to their life and make sure they spend time alone. But what you're really doing with all this is giving them beginning to develop that sense of purpose. I have a reason to be here. That is so important to an animal. Because again, in the natural world, I've said this so much, if there's no reason for an animal to exist, they kind of don't. They are going to, there's going to, I've seen dogs, I, I've, I've trained dogs that just love the, the world, the training, the work, the connection. And then when they left, I, I would tell, you know, some of my, I'd tell my ex-husband, I'd go, he ain't going to be alive in two years. And they would, they'd always die of some awful cancer or something. Because their purpose, because now they're going to go live in somebody's kennel and just get bread and do nothing but make money for them. And they're real connector dogs. Boy, they don't know why they're there. They, they lost the human connection. They lost the purpose. and the, the You know, and they're gone. That happens. 
or they get ill where they require a lot of dogs when they get these kind of chronic diseases and stuff it forces attention and I mean real attention and so a lot of stuff can happen if you don't teach these dogs give them a purpose and then exercise that and set up a real strong connection and teach them in carrying out their purpose they focus the other rest of the world doesn't really matter and that can happen that can actually happen so a little bit more philosophy stuff i'll get more on the puppy activities right now i did a little bit but understanding what's going on in their little head and hearts at this stage is is infinitely useful and if you can at least try to go at it that way, you will see a remarkable difference in the trainability and the relationship you have with this dog going on. Yes, other family members can engage with the dog. Hopefully when they do, they engage also similarly. But make sure that you do that and you and this dog get this understanding and you begin to teach them th the meaning in their life and how important it is. They're not just puppies. They're not a toy to entertain us and later we'll go to the local obedience school and kind of make them behave. Man, that's so disrespectful. These guys aren't little dog bots there for our pleasure. I mean, they're living creatures with a sense of purpose just like you and I have. So that's the lecture for today, half hour. Um, we'll be back next week, get a little more into some of the technical puppy training stuff. But I hope... I hope people take this seriously. It really comes down to what you invest is what you receive in this stuff. And it's worth it to spend the time and mental and emotional energy on it. So that's today. I hope everybody stays uh, safe, healthy, and happy. And I will be back soon.